Welcome to The Mushroom's Apprentice. I'm your host, Shona Holm. Today's episode is titled, Seeing Through the Synthetic Portal. Well, before I introduce my very brilliant guest, I want to share a story with you. And this took place early on in my mushroom explorations. I called my mushroom partner on my cell phone while in the mushroom realms. Now, I never, ever put that damn thing next to my ear. So I instead had it propped up on a coffee table and I was talking to my friend on speaker. Well, the phone screen goes black after a few minutes, as we know. And in our conversation, the mushroom beings, as I called them, were speaking through me and actually reading his mind. <laughs> and then they said something to me that I never forgot. Of the black mirrored cell phone, they said, that is a scrying machine. Well, that blew my mind. And for those who don't know what that is, scrying is where you look into a polished surface, such as a crystal ball or the surface of water. And another very popular surface is polished black obsidian. And these surfaces were portals into another world. And then the sorcerer or the seer would drop into a very mild trance state and they'd look into that and they would see images that would give them information about what they were asking. Well, does that sound a little bit familiar? So I realized in that moment that all of this technology is kind of sorcery that is designed to draw us in and put us in a trance. And that's exactly what what happens when we look into these screens. And today, I think we are in kind of a, a worldwide war. And ultimately, that war is between the synthetic artificial intelligence and the living biological intelligence of nature. And that's you and me. And so with that, <laughs> I will introduce you to a dear friend and a very wise woman seer, Jean-Marie Guilfoyle. Jean-Marie is a lifelong seeker of wisdom and the true nature of reality. Born in Madison, Wisconsin, as the seventh of nine siblings, she grew up in a household filled with philosophical and spiritual pursuits. She now resides in Tasmania, Australia, where she and her husband have spent the last decade focused on the path of liberation, observing reality and living a simple, quiet life outside of the mainstream. She is a lifelong student of the esoteric mysteries, Eastern philosophy, and following the path of bliss. You can learn more about her work on her websites. The first one features her creative videos, and that is mountainhamlet.com. The second website is more personal, and that site is called beautifulandtrue.life. So welcome to The Mushroom's Apprentice, Jean-Marie. Thank you, Shona. I'm so happy to be here with you today. <laughs> I'm so happy to have you. I'm so excited. <laughs> so let's start by having you speak. Let's have you talk about how the screen culture has really pervaded the organic 
world, which is our true reality. We'll just start there. Okay. Well, I guess from my from my perspective, like I see this as an attention funnel. So I think from from what from my understanding of reality, that which you focus on and that which you give your attention to is ultimately what creates your reality. So when a human being spends a certain amount of their day inside a synthetic simulation, i.e. a cell phone or a computer or even, you know, just the internet in general, what is happening? You know, it's like that person's attention, their life force, their energy and their focus is actually being drawn into that simulation, whatever is taking place. And as you mentioned in your beautiful intro, um, the, the state of our world today is such that almost every human being who is participating in the mainstream reality is located inside the simulation now. And it's where they're spending their life. It's where they work. It's where they talk to their friends. It's where they meet their, their, their partners, you know, through dating apps and all that weird stuff. Um, and it's a really spooky place to be. And I'm not happy with it. I don't like it at all. I'm not comfortable with it. Um, I don't participate in it. And I use technology to help me do things that are important to the evolution of my, my soul and my life, like talking with you and discussing things with my family and doing research and, you know, the odd thing like that. But I don't use technology for anything other than just administration. Whereas I think what, what's happened with the screen culture that's pervading the world now is that pretty much everyone is inside that for you know, probably like up to half of their day, if not more. And what's happening to the world outside of us while all this is taking place? I mean, you only have to turn the news on, which I know you and I don't do, but <laughs> to see that you know the whole world is in shambles and it's a complete cartoon reality now and things have just gone down a very, very slippery slope. Yeah. So that's my kind of immediate summary. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's very apt and Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, well this is highly addictive and it's interesting because many years ago, probably 10 years ago, I interviewed someone for Lorenzo Haggerty's site and mm -hmm. and this woman we were talking about the internet and she mm -hmm. was saying I guess she had a hand in this because she said, we designed this, we designed these computers to feel as natural as they could essentially sort of to the body. So she said, you know, like the mouse just with this is back when people were using them, you know, just feels right in your hand, like it fits your hand just right. Mm -hmm. And the keyboard and everything, right? So, so the, the very machine itself, I'm speaking about an actual computer that I'm using, but obviously the cell phone too. And I wonder mm -hmm. also like cigarette cases, you know, were designed to the golden mean, right? They would use sort of sacred geometry. So that would feel good in your hand. I actually don't know if cell phones are, but I imagine they've thought of everything, right? Yeah. I mean, essentially all you have to do is look into the screen. And it also reminds me, there was a film by... Uh, the guy who did the Muppets. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, Jim Henson. Jim Henson. He was such a beautiful soul. Yes. Yeah. And I think this film was a warning. It's called The Dark Crystal. And mm -hmm. there's a scene there where the cute little hobbit 
guys have been kidnapped. I haven't seen the movie in years, but I, for some reason, this scene has stayed in my, has burned into my memory. And mm -hmm. the girl hobbit is like tied to a chair or something. And there's this huge screen in front of her. And then her mm -hmm. friend is in a cage screaming to her, don't look in the screen. Don't look in the screen. Yeah. You yeah. know, one of those things, you know, this sort of echoes in your mind years later, like, hmm, I wonder yeah. if it's trying to tell us something. What, do you know what year that came out? That's a good question. I Okay, well, I guess the reason I'm saying that is because that kind of almost correlates with my experience because I got rid of my TV entirely at the end of 2001. And I haven't looked at <laughs> looked at a television screen since. Okay. And I guess the the reason I'm saying that is because the impetus for me to do that was in 2001, I was living in Eugene, Oregon with my husband, and 9/11 took place. And we had just moved to the States. And of course, like every other American at the time, we who wasn't in New York, we pretty much watched the towers come down on TV. Mm -hmm. And, you know, over the course of that day and then over the course of that week, you know, my husband and I were just like, wow, they are literally using this to scare the pants off everyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're just showing endless reams of repeating um, you know, screenshots of the towers collapsing and the chaos and the drama. And I, I said to myself, like, this is powerful stuff. I mean, they are literally using this to scare everyone. And we, of course, were looking at it and just like going, geez, like, I mean, our first thought was, is it even real? Like, how the heck does <laughs> something that huge come down in like minutes? Like, it didn't even seem real. But then on top of that, like just the fact that it had, you know, in the ensuing months, that's all you saw all over the world on every that's TV awesome. screen and every newspaper was just complete, like fear-based, scaring the pants off people. That's called trauma-based mind control. Yeah, exactly. So and the Dark Crystal came out in 1982. Okay. Well, there so you go. Yeah, just just so we had plenty of warning. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I had another mushroom journey where they were referring to, and they speak in code, but they were referring to my car at the time, which was a 1998 Toyota Camry. I'm the queen of the thousand dollar car. But anyway, <laughs> they, they were. They said something like, you know, your car is a 98, a 17, a starry gate, which later I was like, I wonder if they're talking about, I wonder if that's the star card in the tarot, which it is. 17 is the star card. But anyway, yeah. they said something else. And then they talked about the year of that car before they rearranged the stage, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting because they were referring to that 9-11 and then everything changed dramatically mm -hmm. after mm -hmm. that. And it really was a kind of rearranging of the stage, if you will. Yeah. And yeah, then it was a big wake up call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone was glued to their TV screen. And then eventually that changed to computer and cell phone. And yeah, very quickly. Yes, very mm -hmm. quickly after that. Yeah, it was, it was, that was really, I think, the reset. Yeah, it was a reset into this, I think, dystopian, artificial, synthetic 
reality in many ways. And, and we were talking before we hit record here, I'll just quickly tell my story because I hadn't been to New York in many years. And probably the last time I was on a subway was in the, oh, well, actually, I think it was the early two, 2000s. I'm not even sure though, because that was right after the 9-11 thing. And I may have taken a taxi. Anyway, whatever. It was 2018 that I went back to New York City. And um, my friend who lived there had me fly to New Jersey and then take a subway into New York. So I hadn't been on in, in so, so long. And I get on the subway and I look around <laughs> and my cell phone isn't even turned on. And every single person is looking at their cell phone. Every single person in the car, whether they're sitting or standing, no one's looking up. No one's looking around. It was like going forward in time. And not not like a good feeling. I it wasn't like, oh wow, look at this. It was like, oh my God, what is yeah. happening? Because I lived in New York City in the 80s and 90s and took subway all the time everywhere, right? And so, which was a completely different world. Mm -hmm. And um so so yeah, so everything has quite changed here. And so I think. The question then is, and we'll get deeper into the whys and the history and whatnot, but but I think the question is sort of what to do, what to do. And you have been away from technology pretty much mm -hmm. for like 20 years. So <clears throat> I know, and it kind of amazes me. I, I said to my husband the other day, I'm like, I don't think other people are living like we are. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, our setup is such that we obviously we don't have TV and we haven't since 2001. Um, we don't have any kind of Wi-Fi or cell phones in the house at all. I do have a computer that I use and my my computer is set up so that if I need to make calls or if I need to message or email, I can do all that. My husband sort of like got that set up for me. But, you know, I'm probably on my computer, as I said to you last week, you know, maybe three hours a week, if if that. Um, and we do have a family cell phone that VJ uses for his business, but it doesn't ever really make it into the house because he works in his office up in the, the shed, which is behind our property. And, you know, it, we, he uses it for his business and for administration. And then at six o'clock, seven o'clock every night, it gets turned off and that's it. And it's literally a phone. <laughs> and it just amazes me that like, they've now become these like full like life companions to everyone in every way. And as you, as you said, it, it's, it's very much an addiction. It's a sad addiction, but it's sort of like a, it's, it's sort of like captured the sort of like whole mental processes and people have become so reliant on them now that it's, it's their world. I mean, it's literally like their world, right? Staring into these cell phones. Yes, we've been quite sucked in. Now, you you don't have children, do you? No, no. No, you're so it's really, I tell you, you know, this is the thing too, like when because I remember I resisted learning how to text for for as long as I possibly could. Finally, yeah. my teenage girls were like, Ma, you've got to learn how yeah. to text. And yeah. and so I reluctantly learned, but then obviously, you know, they they just the world has shifted in this way so dramatically that that you mm -hmm. can't do have a 
pretty much have a business without, you got to have a website, yeah. uh, banking and, mm-hmm. and your cell phone, you know, you need, you know, if you're, you know, going to do something online and then it has to come up on your cell phone, you know, that they're, they're, they just have, they've got you every which way till Sunday, but with children, it's really, it's quite something because, you know, as parent, you have to have a cell phone. Now, yeah. this is the thing too, because my daughters are 25 and 22. And I remember when those cell phones were really getting popular and my daughter mm-hmm. was 14 and it was finally her father who let her have one, which meant then my other daughter, who was I think 12 at the time, got one as well. But we did have limits on this. Yeah. And, and that's a huge, that's a huge piece too, in terms of sort of what do we do? Well, for those of us who have to live with this, mm-hmm. not only do you have to limit your children, which a lot of people just don't. But yeah. we also limit ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a big piece here with sovereignty too. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, it is just another tool. It's not like, yeah, you know, it does, we can sort of like kind of blame it on the tool, so to speak, like very similar to, in many ways, to the whole discussion about the Second Amendment and the gun, the gun situation. I mean, do you blame the gun or do you blame blame the human that's using it? I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to our consciousness, right? Right. And how we got how we are sovereign and how we manage our lives. But I think the trick is is realizing that that is the rob. Is that this is about capturing your sovereignty? It's about capturing your ability to really kind of be a creative person here in this realm. And to be a healthy co-creative person, and more importantly than that, to realize and integrate your divine essence, your soul essence, which is the true nature of the human. And these cell phones are kind of like very much set up and um, here in our world to act as sort of almost like an adversary in my mind. It's like they're there to challenge humans to say, do I go the path of the superficial? Or do I go the path of the supernatural? And by supernatural, I just mean, you know, the, the, which is the path of the human. The human is meant to become a conscious, magical co-creator of reality, not someone who's, you know, working for and tied to corporations and big tech and pharma and the government and pretty much everyone outside of themselves. And I just think that the cell phone um, and the internet in general are kind of playing that role at this time of really the the adversary to challenge the human to see if and how they will grow and evolve into their potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I said to someone the other day, I said, you know, we have the internet and you talked about this earlier that if you look at that word to inter means to put mm-hmm. into the ground like someone who's mm-hmm. <laughs> and then a, a, a grave a coffin exactly yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and but then we and have, to intern to intern mm-hmm. yes yes mm-hmm. to and imprison mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all right there shona well of course the well the, because the best the highest sorcery is, uh-huh. is where you put it right in front of the people's eyes and they don't see it that, yeah, that and then you've got the and you've got the net then, which just like captures everyone right there. 
Yeah, gotcha. So gotcha. the internet is a magical portal. It's a synthetic portal. Mm -hmm. And it's completely hidden in plain sight in its own name, the internet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So then, yeah, I guess the trick, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, then we have the inner net. Mm -hmm. The inner, mm -hmm. that's us. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the real that. human. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And we have psychic ability, mm -hmm. intuition. Mm -hmm. And I know how many times has it happened where I hear from someone or they hear from me and we were just thinking about each other like that morning. Mm -hmm. And and that happens a lot. And I I do see that this technology is also really interrupting that because of course, and it has us dependent on this external device, yeah. which yeah. which ultimately, and I want you to talk about this because it's really everything they're doing you know, with this technology, it's really imitating nature. And it's, well, okay. So I used to say uh, years ago, I used to say, gosh, the brain is like a computer. And then the, the mushroom spirits corrected me and said, no, no, dear, no. The computer is like the brain. And that is yeah. how little you use of that wand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Riff on that. Yeah. Well, I think to, to, answer to address your first point i think that one thing for people to appreciate and realize is that in order to connect to your inner being and to the creative essence of who you are and then to the universe and to develop and grow your consciousness you've got to be in your own natural organic calm peaceful joyful state right and you've got to be in a state of of just of naturalness, right? And if you if you're bombarded with electromagnetic frequencies coming at you from all sorts of different avenues, what that's going to do is it's going to limit or at least dull that that sort of divine pulse that exists all around us, which is our innate connection to the natural world and to God for want of a better word, the universe creation. It is an, it's a natural resonance that we hold as humans. And it's been my experience and it's my opinion that this level of technology that's around us now actually blocks that um, or at least funnels it in, in a different direction. And I think that's something that people just need to be aware of is that the divine pulse, which brings you into your inner net is always all around us but you've got to be in a natural, healthy state in order to, to access that. Yes, yes. And yeah. what the Wi-Fi, the EMFs are doing is they're running interference mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With, with the natural radiation frequencies. From yeah, the that's exactly my point. And I will just mention a personal experience, if I may. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day when cell phones used to have keyboards, like actual, you know, like keyboards before they all went to touch screens. Um, my, I had a cell phone for, you know, my, my job back in the nineties and it was like a Blackberry. So it had a nice keyboard on it, you know, a nice little keypad. And then when the flat screens first came into being the, you know, what, which are now the ubiquitous um, smartphone that's everywhere. I, I remember when I first opened it up and I, I had my chip installed and I started using it. And later that day, I was literally 
sitting down using my cell phone for something and I was tapping with my fingers and I started to get these shooting pains that would come up my index finger and then up into my wrist and was shooting right up into my shoulder blade. And I literally threw my phone on the couch and I was like, whoa, what's that? That's, it just felt really uncomfortable. And then from that point on, in the ensuing couple of months, I would literally have like a numbing feeling in my hands, up my arm and through my shoulders every time I used the touchscreen, which was whatever the iPhone Apple model was in 2014, 2015. And so that for me, it was like the beginning of realizing that not only was this like, you know, a mental sort of like capturing device, but it was actually physically quite toxic to my, my natural biofield. Um, and so that was like literally 2015 was when I got rid of my cell phone completely. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I don't know how many other people out there experience that and, you know, maybe just think, well, maybe it's me or maybe something's wrong with me or maybe you know, I've got a disease or something, but I mean, I, I personally feel that, you know, if you are a sensitive person and you do have like a heightened um, ability to, to sense energies, that modern smartphones are super toxic. Yes. Oh, well, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like on the actual physical body, you know? Oh yes. They're actually very, da- I mean, even there's warnings in the literature that not to hold them like right next to people do constantly. Mm -hmm. And I'm tired of telling my daughters to not, please don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) I never, isn't that funny Shona that that's not even really ever talked about because you're right. I mean, there was a time when you could actually open up the terms and conditions and the, you know, the, the fine print, which is now like so little, no one can even read it, but you know what I mean? Where you could actually, they were actually advising you to use these in moderation. Yes. Yes. And also yes. too, there was a time recently where my husband was thinking about buying a new car and the car, the car that he was looking at was a mini Cooper. And he went and had a look at the, um, one of the, you know, the, the sort of like technological books you get when you buy a new car mm-hmm. that explains all the tech in the car Well, you can actually download those from the internet. And he found one for this particular model of mini Cooper and it was actually saying in the in the the manual from Mini from BMW that you should not use a cell phone inside the car because of the extreme electromagnetic frequency radiation. And it was literally right there in print saying, "Don't use the cell phone in the car." And he actually contacted BMW because they had this thing called BMW Assist where you know, if, once you got in the car, it automatically like took you online to BMW assist just in case you needed something, right? Kind of like a Siri application. Uh. And, and he was sort of like, you know, what's up with this? Like you've got this application in your car, yet your manual says that this is not something that should be used, um, you know, due to health implications. And they never replied to his email. They never even got back to him. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, I think this stuff is starting to kind of disappear. Like, I don't even know if it's even out there anymore. I think a lot of it's just being edited out. But in the early days before cell phones became completely ubiquitous, there was regular literature about the toxicity and the use of um, and the fact that it should be limited and, you know, not used indoors and you should always have windows open. And there was actually quite a bit of literature out there about it. 
But I mean, where is all that today? Well, it's all, I mean, all of this kind of thing now is heavily censored, heavily mm -hmm. censored, even like mm -hmm. the smart meter stuff is heavily censored. The F-I-V-E-J-E-E -E -E is heavily censored. <laughs> like, I, you know, I mean, it's, it's, and you've got algorithms that are, you know, knocking all of that out. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's quite something. So, so. Yeah. And, and, the, th yeah. and the thing is too, that now that we are in this, like, you know, quote unquote digital age. Yeah. I mean, all data is changeable, removable and malleable. Right. Mm -hmm. And who's in charge of that data? <laughs> That's a good question. You know, big, big tech. Like who, who's even managing the internet? Yeah. I mean, does anyone even know? I mean, do you know, honestly, who owns the internet, who manages the internet? I don't. I do not. I know it was designed. It was a military design. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was made by DARPA and the World Wide Web was created by CERN. But I mean, today, if you go and try and see like, oh, who, who manages the internet? Like who owns the internet? <laughs> it's all so ambiguous. Yeah. And the irony is that you've got to actually look on a search engine, uh, you know, i.e. Google, to figure <laughs> this stuff out. So it's sort of like, um, hello, what's wrong with that picture? Mm -hmm. You've actually got to go into their search engine to find out what this stuff is. So, I mean, that is, is a huge red flag for me. And the only thing I've ever been able to find recently is that there's a company actually based in Virginia not a company, but an organization called the Internet Society. And they are touted as the people that manage the well-being, and that's actually the word they use, <laughs> well of the Internet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, they're called the Internet Society. And if you go to their website, it's just like, it's just a huge rue. I mean, it's just, it's a template. It's all stock photos and you know it makes everything look really healthy and lovely and green and beautiful and clear and clean like everything does you know when you have a good website uh -huh. um but yeah i mean like who's even managing this you know what i mean it's just yeah it's like a it's it's this phantom overlay and we don't even really truly know who's behind it no we don't and and i it's also a golem <laughs> truly yeah what's a golem a golem that is like a creature that a sorcerer would create uh, magically. Then okay. it like gets out of control. <laughs> then they can't yeah. any longer. <laughs> yeah. So that's. Yeah. I mean, I see that. I AI is definitely a golem and yeah. artificial intelligence. And yeah, that's a whole. I mean, like you said, we could talk for the next nine, ten hours on this on this subject. But it definitely, you know, this kind of thing needs to be uh, explored, addressed, because- I know, it does, it does. Because you're right, because all of our fellow human, all of mankind are now ensnared inside of this. And, you know, it's like, are they even aware of what they're using and what they're doing? I don't no, think so. No, most people are not. No, they have no, yeah. no. And children are just given these things. I'll tell a quick story. I was, this was, oh my goodness, again, probably- this was like 11 years ago. And I was working at this little farm in Washington state and I was in the sales office and people would buy like chicken feed and plants and stuff and soil. Mm -hmm. And there was a little step 
like three inches high. That's it. You'd have to sort of just step up into the sales office. And this mother walks in. She was from LA and she sort of breezes in. And then this little <laughs> child, you know, she's not even paying attention, the mother. And the child does a full face plant. Like it's obvious that the child didn't even sense that there was a step in front of her and mm -hmm. from her hands goes flying the cell phone. And I'm like, oh, that child is like not even three years old. Yeah. And, and you, she's just trailing behind you with a cell phone in her tiny hands. And she's mm -hmm. so engrossed mm -hmm. she, that her, her own instincts didn't even kick in and give her a warning, hey, step in front of you, lift your foot. I will mm -hmm. never forget that because it's just so, it's just such a sad statement on, on this. Mm -hmm. And and what's really at stake here is our yeah. future and our, our, is really our young. And then the elderly mm -hmm. are really being targeted horribly because they're not savvy with this stuff, most of them. Mm -hmm. No, they're just not mm -hmm. tech savvy and, and they're getting all kinds of scammers. Yeah, it's just, it is, it's quite something like we are really, we are at a crossroads, I think, as, as a race right now, mm -hmm. planetary wide. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I said, it's literally, it's literally which path do you take the superficial or the supernatural? Right. I love there's that. really, there's really only there's. I mean, honestly, that's the choice. That's the fork in the road. And I think that, that, that story that you just told about the toddler, I mean, that's ubiquitous. Now I see that all the time, Shona. Like when I go into the city, the saddest thing for me is watching women, you know, holding prams, pushing prams or, you know, um, baby strollers with their cell phones in their hand. Yeah. You just go like, wow, really? <laughs> really like how sad for that child like their mom's not even like paying attention to them or their needs that their mom's just like looking at her cell phone and what the heck are they looking at like yeah. what do you think they're looking at I mean honestly like when you're walking down a street and you're staring into your cell phone what are you looking at are they on social media are they texting like what are they actually doing that's so important in that moment you know what I mean Yes, I think what is most disturbing is they are detached from the child. Yeah. Like, just like yeah. if you're in a room and then someone, you know, they get on their cell phone and all of a sudden you can see they're in a trance, mm -hmm. in a trance. And all of a sudden, you know, they're just, they're gone. They're gone. Yeah. Do you think that that is um, like somehow tied into the magic? Like you were talking about the addiction. There's got to be some like really obvious supernatural thing that's uh, sorry not supernatural superficial magical thing that's taking place that's just creating well, that level of addiction no question we are playing with um fire fire and we are <laughs> with almost like the tools of the gods but even you know we as adults we're like a bunch of two-year-olds with this stuff you know, mm -hmm. it's just been, and it's been slow boiled frog in the way it was given to us. Cause I was thinking in King, even like when I was a teenager and then they had CD players and then you could have, Oh, what were they called? Um, Walkmans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Sony Walkman. 
Sony Walkman. Yeah. So you have the, you know, the headphones and the wire mm-hmm. and the catch little CD player thing. Um, yeah. And how cool were they? Yeah. Running <laughs> with that thing. And now like, you know, I walk by the mountains in the morning. I'm like, why, why in God's name would I ever put any kind of headphone anywhere near my head? Like I want to hear the birds. Right. But anyway. Yeah. But your consciousness has grown since then too, Shona. Yes. Substantially. Absolutely. Yeah. But you could see though, how it was like small steps, small steps, getting us mm-hmm. to accept this, these technologies, mm-hmm. you know, until we have what we have today where it's, you know, you sort of can't do not that you can't do life without them, but you know what I mean in terms of, you know, people getting a job and well, and yeah. also, during the COVID nonsense, what did they do? They, mm-hmm. okay, all these children were all of a sudden mm-hmm. put plunked in front of screens. Mm-hmm. There's a and, whole- and people from all over the world who'd never had to use them before for their mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, not, not use computers, but who had to now work yes, just to earn their living because of COVID. Right. Yeah. Staring at these screens and using all of the, the, the interfaces mm-hmm. that we're using now. So, I mean, obviously for every kind of, oh, every it's dark, a it's a double-edged sword. I it's know a- it's like, it's the paradox of life. I mean, it's light and dark, black and white, night and day. I mean, there's always going to be a good side, you know? But I think the problem with our fellow uh, mankind is that, like you said, we're just little kids, like in in terms of our consciousness and our ability to understand who we are and what nature is and where we are and how the world works. We're so young still as, as a species that we just get sucked into all this stuff and it takes us down these rabbit holes. And at what cost? I mean, what's gonna be, the cost of all this in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years, if it's still around, you know, yeah. to our species, to our health, like God knows it's kind of frightening. You're familiar with, I know Steiner and Araman, mm-hmm. and, and well. he spoke of Araman. He didn't say exactly who Araman was, but that Araman would be sort of birthed at this time. It was a very dark force. I think we're, I think we're looking in Araman right now right now in this screen i think that this is this technology is aramonic oh hands absolutely i mean anyone who's in the anthropos movement would say that for sure i mean all technology is is aramonic it's all it's i mean the dark side of technology is very much aramonic but i think too i think the internet itself i mean i've often thought that maybe that was what what Steiner spoke of as the sec- the new coming of Araman, because Steiner always said that Araman would incarnate in this time in human form. Mm-hmm. But I always thought, well, geez, like maybe it's the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, the internet is is the new the new the new beast, because yeah. I mean, obviously, it's like it's the most ubiquitously dark thing I can think of in our world today. Well, also, so what, okay, so here's what I see forming with this too, is, so we're all, most of us anyway, the great majority of us, myself included, we're reliant on this to, you know, for our websites, for our business, for, Mm -hmm. you know, I do sessions on Zoom, right? Like so many people, Mm -hmm. right? So, so at some point though, thanks to um, their COVID deal, 
uh, mm -hmm. you will probably not even be able to have a website at some point or even maybe access the internet unless you've got your 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 jab passport right so mm -hmm. it yeah, will be yeah. used as a way that we're we're back to that that control piece yeah where yeah. you're either going to comply or you don't get to use go it. On it at all and and yeah. so from the standpoint of studying law and i know the importance of getting things in writing in your hand not digital but mm -hmm. in your hand and they want everything digital mm -hmm. and 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 we can't lose we can't lose the paper in the hand because uh as the old saying goes the pen is mightier than the sword well mm -hmm. when you study law in the way that i have you understand darn well why that is true yeah. and yeah. um you know if you just like check a box and that's supposed to represent your signature or <laughs> you know what i mean like how can you do a qualified signature? And you can email me if you don't know what that is, which probably no one yeah. does. But we're back to the sovereignty word we were yeah. using as well. Like there's, there's got to be a balance. And this is like a runaway freight train. Yeah, it really is. It's just, from my perspective, it's just a, it's, it's just a part of the evolution of the human the human race. I mean, and that's something very much that Steiner spoke about and that the reason for Araman and the reason for any adversary is to cajole the human out of its slumber mm -hmm. and get them on the path of their true divine nature, which is realizing that they are an essential part of creation, that they're a part of God, that they came here with a reason and they're not just here to be herded into a machine screen culture. They're here to co-create a beautiful world, a world that we love to be in, a world that's healthy and nourishes our families and, you know, a world that brings us joy and love and all the higher frequencies of the human being. That, that is our path of evolution. That's the path of the supernatural. That's the path we need to get on. And I still feel in my heart that all of this is just a bit of a kick in the butt for a bunch of for a bunch of people that are just slumbering so deeply that they're either going to get sucked into this this screen culture or they're going to boot themselves out of it and get on with what they're supposed to be doing here you know which is understanding the true nature of reality and developing their bringing their soul essence here to this realm that's how i see it Yes. And I, I, I will add one more thing. You just said the key word there, soul, because it occurred to me recently. <laughs> it's like, what if this thing is like kind of harvesting souls in a sense? <laughs> oh my God. Who knows? I, I, could I, I could went, be right. I went very dark for a moment, but I will say, I believe Steiner said the way through this time of Armon would be mm -hmm. through consciousness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Consciousness. Well, I mean, Steiner and pretty much every spiritual text that you would ever sit down and read all has the same message, which is that the human is here to evolve, to know God, to know their true essence, and to become their higher natures. And all of this technology is kind of just keeping people in a low frequency. It has been stressed me over and over 
Mm -hmm. Oh, and I think now it's almost like a matter of life and death. We have got to spend time in the natural world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm at a point and I realize, again, I understand people have to be where they have to be often, mm -hmm. but I can't even live in a town. Not all people who live in cities want to be in those cities, as also yeah. was evidence in the last three years, as there was quite an exodus out of the cities and into mm -hmm. rural parts. I mean, you could see people just like, oh, my God, you mean I don't have to like go in and schlep and, you know, to, to work? I can do this out of my house. Well, OK, we're out of here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's yeah. let's go to greener pastures, literally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I my limit in any city now is maybe two hours. I can't I can't even spend a day in a city anymore. It's like once you've lived out of that frequency for a long time and you go yeah. back into it, whoa, you really, really, really feel the toxicity. Yes, it's very hard. Um, yeah. So I mean, I yeah, I mean, my limit is definitely two hours and that's it. I'm <laughs> back in the country. <laughs> well, you know, I think. You were talking about your sensitivity to technology. I've spoken to other people who have a similar sensitivity and mm -hmm. we're going to see this more and more. And I do, I mean, I, of course I have hope for humanity because I know as fucked up as people, a lot of pe people are, there are also people who are really getting sharp and waking yeah. up. Yeah, see, for sure. You know, and we're, yeah. and very unpredictable and that's one thing you know the ai it's got its algorithms but it, we are unpredictable and mm -hmm. we're also living spirit beings which mm -hmm. is not what ai is and so so mm -hmm. i do i just i don't know for i i have a very kind of positive sense as well that i think more people are really going to be waking up to this but i do think there's going to be a split. Mm -hmm. There's going well, it's to be already here. It is here. I mean, it's here, Shona. We're, yeah. we're living in it. Yeah. Talk about kind of just a little bit um, before we close this first hour in terms of sort of, this is very, it's very seductive the way people are brought in to the mm -hmm. whole sort of internet. Mm -hmm. Just want to. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you even remember like back in the 90s when Google, first launched itself do you remember gmail like when it first launched i'm not sure how technological you were back then <laughs> not one of the thing okay well one of the one of the first things that they did when they launched email on the public was they set up this system where you if you were like in the know and you were a part of the business stream that was launching gmail with launching the google product you were given an email account a gmail and like that's ubiquitous, uh, ubiquitous, uh, sorry, that's commonplace to us now, right? But mm -hmm. back in the day, that was a new phrase. Email was a new phrase. Gmail was their new marketing phrase, right? right? And so what they did, which was very clever, was that they made it so that if you wanted to get an email account, and so you could be hip and savvy and cool and, you know, tech savvy, that you had to be invited by someone who already had a Gmail account. Oh, to join gmail right and that's how they that's how they, i remember clearly that's how they started it so back in the early early days and i can't remember what year it was but it was sometime in the early 90s you actually had to have an invite 
to get an email account from Gmail. Huh. And so that was just one of the, you know, slippery ways they kind of got you in, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like being in a special club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think at the, in the early days of the internet, they, uh, again, I'm not sure what it was like where you were, but they used to have the most enchanting and beautiful Apple Mac stores that were like almost like a theme park. Like you'd go in there and they'd have like drinks machines and chocolate fountains and all of these things. And then their computers set up along the wall with these like beautiful electric neon lights and super high tech gizmos all around. And it was literally like the most coolest and funnest thing to do to go to an Apple Mac shop back in the 90s. And it was just, it was enchanting. It was just like, it was pure magic. It was just like drawing people in. And I don't even know what an Apple store looks like any anymore these days, but I'm pretty sure that they're pretty average. But yeah, they used to be like go-to destinations where you'd like literally like queue up with friends to go and have a drink or, you know, to, to sample one of the new computers. Do you remember any of that? No, I mean, I wasn't, maybe because, I don't know, I was in art school in the 90s. Yeah, see, I was in the business world then. So it yeah. was all, yeah, you had to have a computer and you had to have a cell phone. This was like back in the early 90s. And wow. yeah, it was, it was just a giant magic trick. That's how I see it now in retrospect. Yes. Just part of, part of the allure, you know. You had to be hip. You had to be cool. You had to have a cell phone and you had to have an email account. And again, I know this is like, you know, 25 years ago or whatever, but it's just like, it was a, in hindsight, it was just an enchanting process. Well, seductive. Magical process. Yes. Seductive. Mm -hmm. And it it is a seduction. Mm -hmm. And so when people don't kind of have Mm, a sixth sense for that or eyes mm-hmm. to see or kind of a suspicious nature mm-hmm. which like I can be very trusting which but we I, do <laughs> yeah yeah but I can also be like very highly suspicious especially yeah. nowadays fair enough. Yeah. and you know then they're really they just they're sitting ducks they just get sucked right in and and also they prey on people's need to or desire to be sort of part of the gang. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that has saved myself, you and others. Like I've, I just been very much an individual and and definitely an outlier. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, that's doesn't, I'm not seduced by that. I don't care. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like what the gang is doing. In fact, I will do the opposite. So, But for most people, of course, you know, they kind of don't want to miss out. And that's another thing that they have done, mm-hmm. you know, seducing mm-hmm. them in that way. And then, and then associating these certain key words, you know, you mentioned the word, you know, how we would see all this as quote unquote progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, that's the whole technology industry, right? It's like, it's the future. It's where we need to go. It's where we're going and it's how it's going to be. And you need to get on board and you need to understand this technology and you need to use it and you need to make sure that it's a part of your life. Otherwise you're going to miss out. Yeah. You're going to be left behind. Yeah. 
And again, that's just a huge PR campaign. That's all it is. Totally. A- <laughs> totally. People need to have just the chutzpah to just say, okay, bye. <laughs> I know. But I think a lot of people are. I mean, look at you and I. I mean, hello. Yeah. It's sort of like if you and I have come to this point, I mean, oh. I'm sure there's there's hundreds of thousands of people all over the world who are just like, this is nonsense. Absolutely. But we're not going to hear about them and we're not going to read about them yeah. because, you know, these tech corps now own all of the media and yeah. all of the devices. So they're going to filter and censor and put forward their story, their narrative and whatever they want to market. And that's how it's going to be if you choose that path. Yeah. Yeah. I know, my goodness, a number of people who over the past couple of years in particular, you know, would say, all right, I'm doing a technology vacation. Yeah. (laughs) And I think it's just also going to be important for people's health. And what people have to realize too, is those cell phones emit radiation. That thing is always looking for a signal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. it comes out of both sides of the cell phone. Do mm-hmm. not put that damn thing next to your ear. You're going to regret it. And that's something else people, and this has been going on for a number of years now, they are getting tumors on yeah. the side of their head, right where they hold their cell phone. That is no joke. Yeah. And, and loads and loads of vision problems. Yes. Yeah. I mean, hello. Look at the the ubiquitous use of eyeglasses now in children. I mean, everyone has glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. And speaking of glasses, there are special, because also these things emit, I think, is it a blue light, Mm -hmm. Mm Jean-Marie? It's very, very, very unnatural, my goodness, for our eyes. And not only that, we're supposed to see different distances, you know, just like a flat two-dimensional thing. So, So there are special glasses you can buy to yes. wear when you are sitting in front of your computer or looking in your cell phone, there's right. Also- and is it, but isn't that in of itself kind of like weird? Like, hello, well, it's yeah. like now they're marketing glasses you have to wear in order to look at the screens because so many people. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying, like, shouldn't the tech corps be responsible for the kinds of lighting they're using in these screens? That's, I'm so glad you brought that up because I I've been saying for years, why can't they design this where Instead of Wi-Fi, we have something else, you know, because the Wi-Fi is disturbing. um, It's disrupting honeybees. Mm -hmm. It's disrupting Mm -hmm. migrating Mm -hmm. birds. Like it Mm -hmm. is having a deleterious effect on our natural world, including our bodies and also um, men. Oh my God, get your cell phone out of your pocket. It's like they're Um, right. Hello. What do you mean? Like everyone, like I see every kid. I see little kids. I see teenagers, they all have that phone in their butt pocket. Right. So there goes their sperm like, count. What is that? That is just like, <laughs> I look right. at that and I'm like, oh my God. To me, it's like, it's like placing my hand on an open flame. And when I see that, I'm like, oh, you know? Yeah. 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 And then there are, I don't know why you would do this, but there are some women who put their phone, like kind of slide it into their bra. Like what a stupid. Yeah. I know. That's really sad. Also- Putting your laptop on your lap, like your eggs are in there, ladies. Like this is so it's it's, the thing is, it's become so normalized. Yeah. And that was a part of the um, alluring magic trick too, Shona. 
laptops. Yes, of course. Get comfy, get comfy on your couch, on your chair, and put your computer there on your lap, and it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do it. And so, and again, not to be sort of whatever bossy, but this is just, this is real. This is really, really important. Like these things are you know, they're, they're not these benign play toys. They are just, just pulsating radiation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we are, you know, natural nature, living biology, and we have never had this. No, I know. I know. I hear you. I hear you. It's very, it's very scary, actually, to think about the potential health implications in the coming, you know, two to three decades. We're just yeah. probably going to see a whole new spate of things that we've never before known. Yes. Unfortunately. And, yeah, I know, including low birth rates and, and sterility and all kinds. Yeah, I mean, look what cigarettes did to the world. I mean, hello. Remember like when cigarettes were launched, that they were like sexy and cool and Not hip? You had doctors advertising, <laughs> which is reason number 512 to like not listen to uh-huh. doctors for Lord's sake. Oh my God. Yeah. And it was the same. I mean, cigarettes, you know, the same process. If you just look at purely just the marketing process of how cigarettes were um, in, um, launched to the world and normalized, it's kind of a similar process that technology's taken. It's yes. just become glamorous, cool, hip, and the thing to do. And if you don't do it, well, you're probably not cool. I know, you know, we can we can turn this around, but it's going to, it's going to just be on an individual basis because yeah. the yeah. world, again, is being catapulted even further into this mire. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Again, this is this is it's a huge choice point mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. facing and an opportunity mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. evolve. Now we're absolutely going, yeah, we're gonna complete the first hour and I will invite listeners to join us over at the mushroomsapprentice.com because we have a lot more to discuss and Jean Marie is an absolute just fount of wisdom and insight. And so I would invite those interested to please join us.